Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast. This podcast is hosted by thought leaders and experts. They have all been handpicked and invited to contribute because of their knowledge and valuable insight within the areas of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle. Whether you're starting a business, looking for personal growth, or if you're just here to learn something new, you will get actionable advice from world-class award-winning coaches, experts, and industry leaders from over 50 countries across six continents. If you like what you hear, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. You can also visit us at brainsmagazine.com for quality articles, interviews, and daily inspiration. With that said, let's welcome today's podcast host. Welcome to the Inspiration Contagion podcast, where we spread inspiration one story at a time. I am your host, Holly Jean Jackson. Each episode spotlights and interviews one transformational leader, their stories, and their advice for how you too can lead yourself and others through inspiration. If you are a visionary seeking to uplevel your leadership skills, then this is the podcast for you. I invite you today to spread inspiration like a contagion. Welcome to the Inspiration Contagion Movement. Did you know that Inspiration Contagion has a book series? In fact, the first book, Health Secrets for Raving Success, is now live. You can purchase it on Amazon, and soon it will be available on Audible. If you're looking to spread more inspiration and to learn more about how to thrive from a health foundation for success, I would love for you to consider purchasing a copy. And if you're trying to pay it forward, perhaps you could gift a copy to someone who has some health struggles or challenges facing them today. Again, feel free to purchase that from Amazon or visit my website at hollyjeanjackson.com. Welcome back to episode 64 of Inspiration Contagion. This week, I have guest Kenneth Procious with me today. Kenneth has been a working artist in the North Carolina Triangle for just over a decade, and he co-owns 311 Art Gallery in downtown Raleigh with his wife, Lakeisha T. Reed. Kenneth has a background in festival and event management and handles curation of all exhibits at 311, among many other things. And with that, Kenneth, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate that, uh, that introduction. That was fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Well, with that, why don't you tell our guests and our listeners just a little bit more about you, your background? Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, I have, I have an arts and festival background management. And kind of what that means is I, I went to school for art, which is like telling your parents that you want to be poor. Right. <laughs> so, uh, it's, I, I decided I wanted to, to be an artist. Um, I originally was going to go into the air force. That was like what my dad did. And I was going to do that. And I was really gung ho about it and all these things after graduating high school. And then I ended up being way too anxious and having way too much anxiety problems to do that. And it became a whole snafu. And then I ended up going to a community college and then I went to UNC Chapel Hill, studied studio art under really great professors and artists there. Ended up getting an internship at the Durham Arts Council, handling Centerfest, 
which is their giant annual arts uh, festival, handling things like booth spaces and, and management and logistics and all that stuff. Um, and kind of cut my teeth on that. That was a very like intensive thing for an intern to handle. Um, and then they hired me for a little bit after that to get that uh, going for the next year and everything. And then I worked for a visual art exchange for a while. VAE Raleigh is what they go by now. Uh, working on, um, goodness gracious, SparkCon is the name of their festival. Uh, and did that as for contract work for a few years. Um, and then ended up doing events at a place called Emerge, which was, was, an, was an art startup that worked for a few years there. Um, and basically kind of cut my teeth on all these event management things that no one really likes doing because events, if you don't do them, are like this nightmare thing. You know, it's like planning your own wedding. It's like why there has to be someone that's willing to do this. That's not me. <laughs> and I ended, I was that person for, for some people. Love it. Interesting. So many different interesting swivels in your journey in the art world. I love it. I love the SparkCon name too. That's really interesting. So since we're on the Inspiration Contagion podcast, I want to ask you, what makes you an inspirational leader or what's your secret sauce? Yeah, I mean, maybe my secret sauce is antidepressants. Maybe that's it. But uh, I think like, uh, I think even, even before I took antidepressants, I think patience was always something that I, I had a lot of. I think it, it helps that I worked originally for many years in customer service, inventory, grocery stores, loading and unloading trucks, just hard manual labor that really sucked and was really thankless and having an ambition to do something more fulfilling than that. And kind of seeing how difficult that that lifestyle is and that that's that's what most people have to do to get by. And that really is really brutal. And there's there's a lot more to talk about there, uh, especially just how things are currently politically and socially. But as I kind of grew up from that, that landscape, you know, my family didn't have money. We didn't have connections. We didn't have whatever. Being able to have an idea of what I wanted to do and pursuing it very humbly, perhaps too humbly. I think still to this day, I, I tend to grind myself into dirt through like a lack of, of self-esteem that I'm, I'm getting used to I'm mean, kind of trying to overcome as, as I get a little bit older. And so I would say that like kind of my secret sauce is just being super cool headed and being just really relatable. I mean, relating to people on their, their ground level, right? Everyone is looking for something different, is looking to get something different, has a different experience, is, has a, their own baggage, and just kind of having a what some would call a high degree of emotional intelligence or a sense of justice. I've had a, a couple of bosses tell me I have a, a great sense of justice, which I think is a very funny way to phrase that. But I, I just don't really tolerate bullshit. And I don't tolerate people abusing people or doing things that are not fair or reasonable. And I want everyone to feel like they belong, really. Yeah. And Kenneth is being extremely humble. I haven't known him very long, but I've known him long enough to be able to share that one of his superhero ninja powers is connecting people. And I don't mean just any people. He's great at building communities and connecting people that are like-minded, that can support each other and bringing the right people to the table. So he is being extremely humble right now, but we're going to pull some of these magical stories and some more of his secret sauce out throughout this session. I appreciate it. That's, that's very kind. You're very welcome. I mean it. So what does inspiration mean to you, Kenneth? Oh, man. You know, when you 
when you are are in the field of work that you and I are in, which you know is is a lot of different things, you know, entrepreneurship, business, whatever, whatever you want to call it, meeting people. Everyone always asks you, what does this mean, right? What does X, Y, and Z mean? So what does inspiration mean to me? It's just always funny when you, when you get a question like that. I, I think to me, inspiration is really like I, getting fundamentally down to it. What would you say? Like, why, why are you doing this? You know what I mean? Like I had a, a professor, Lian Truong, who is a painting professor in college, incredibly inspirational fantastic. I, I use the word without even realizing it. Inspirational, fantastic professor, this incredibly worldwide renowned artist. And she sat me down in class one day and was like, so why, why are you doing this painting thing? Like, what's, what's the deal? You know, and she said it like that, like almost sarcastically of like, tell me very frankly why you do this. And to me, I would say like, that's what inspiration is, is like, if you think about what you're doing and why you're doing it, what's the inspiration there? Yeah. And there's a lot of inspiration that goes into art, especially because there's so much creativity that comes into that. So that's a great way to reframe that question for people that are tuning in that are in the creative space. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I I think, you know, in, in the creative space, it's inspiration is almost like the way that I live my life. I don't consider it very different from like business inspiration. And that's a kind of maybe a whole conversation, but there's just so many reasons why someone would make art of whatever art that they make so many cultural influences so many monetary things to think about so many non-monetary things to think about it's just it's infinitely complex you know i we own a we own a gallery and people come up and they're like so what's the deal with this piece and it's like boy i don't even know where to begin like (laughs) you got a hundred pieces here this person that made it i know them decently well but i it could be something entirely different that i have no, no idea why they made it so Well, and that's the beauty of sharing experience through story, especially related to art or business or anything, or what inspires us is sharing through story. That's how humans connect. And as you can see, Kenneth is excellent at that. So one of the next questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, how do you define success for yourself and how did you arrive at that definition? Yeah. I mean, I think this is another one of those things where like, because I also work with students a lot students are always like, well, how do I do this or that? Or like, what is, how do I get successful? Or like, and it's like, well, what does that mean? You know, like, what? hold on, take a step back. Um, for me, I would say success is one of two things, either being able to identify a goal and then reaching that goal. That goal can be monetary. It can be a social impact of some kind. It can be providing equity to people, whatever the case may be, or just the ability to look back on the work that you have done over a month, six months, 10 years, your life, whatever. And feeling like, okay, you know, like if I drop dead tomorrow, am I, am I cool with what I've done with my life? Um, I would say like, for me, that's what success is. Just like not feeling like I wasted my life. Yeah. I like that um, very stark contrast of knowing that if you drop dead tomorrow, (laughs) (laughs) if you lived a full life, on successful terms for the goals that you were trying to achieve because of what you're inspired by. So that's a really great metaphor for people that need that kick in the butt to get inspired and make sure they're taking action towards what they're inspired by. Yeah. I I especially think for like a lot of people, like I grew up depressed and I had a hard time with a lot of things in life and through college age and stuff like that. And I think like a lot of people growing up that don't have clear goals or parents pushing them in a specific way or whatever the case may be. 
um, a lot of people are like, well, that life's not for me. Like, I'm just destined to be miserable. I'm destined to be a nobody. I'm never going to do this or that or own a house or own a car or whatever. And obviously there's a lot of factors of privilege and uh, environment and things of that that go into that. But I do think that for people that are striving to do better, I think you will look back one day and be like, oh, like I'm here. Like I'm actually, I've done the things that I thought I could never do. And I would say that that's success. Yeah, absolutely. I love that definition. So you've already mentioned a couple briefly, some challenges and obstacles that you faced, but what are some of the biggest challenges and obstacles you faced along your journey to success? Yeah. I mean, I think imposter syndrome is like, is a thing for sure. I feel like I'm on the hump of overcoming that now. I asked somebody about it, Chasta Hamilton, who's an incredible owner of a, a dance company. And she has a business called Girls Gear for Greatness and all these great things. And she, I, I worked with her a bit on some professional stuff and she was on a panel and I asked her like, well, how did you deal with imposter syndrome? And she, it was almost very curtly, like, you just deal with it. You know, it was just like, it was, it was almost like she was far enough in her career that it was like, that's not a thing you should really be worried about. And I, I actually really appreciate that perspective now kind of coming over the hump of it. And I just think it's really important for people and students and young people, especially, or people coming to trying to approach success later in their life or career that like, it's fine. You know, the people that we all think are like great and incredible and infallible and on a pedestal are super flawed and often miserable and all these things. And like, it's okay. You're not, you're not a horrible little gremlin. You're not a different person. You're not destined to be miserable. You, you can belong as well. That's been a big challenge for me. Yeah. And that's an important point. So I think like she was sharing, imposter syndrome is always there. It's just how we deal with it. Just like we, how we deal with fear. You don't let fear stop you. You recognize what it's there to tell you to make sure it's a safe situation, but you want to kind of put it in the backseat. You don't let it drive your life. The same thing applies with imposter syndrome. I don't think it ever goes away. I think that our relationship with it becomes easier over time. The more we take action and prove to ourselves that we can rely on ourselves. And that just comes with experience and putting yourself out there and taking that brave, courageous step to the next thing. Um, So I completely agree with that. And it's a big challenge I see. The other side of that that you were kind of alluding to is this whole compare and despair piece of imposter syndrome with social media and all the stuff out there. It's so easy for us to assume that we are the imposter because we see what looks like this perfect life that's not reality. And I know this from experience because I've talked to a lot of people in my own business and and just you know interviewing people on the podcast or being on these big shows or you know on a radio live that's with tens of thousands of people. They are just like you and me. They're, if you really pull back the curtains, it's not magical. They have problems just like you and me. And yes, they have successes. And all they've done that's slightly different is they're taking action towards that, even with fear and obstacles and comparison and despair in the way. They've just put it in the back seat and they're making progress towards it. So stop comparing and stop assuming that you need to get that additional certification to do anything. Yeah, I think like, and even to piggyback off that, this might sound like a harsh statement, but I don't mean it as a harsh statement. I think very few people are truly great, like are truly like prodigal or prodigious or 
incredible mega mind savants you know like i think there's there's very few of those compared to what we like to think culturally most of those people or everything i mean everything you do in life is you're impacted by thousands of people at any given moment the car you drive the road you drive on the gas you fill up with the food you eat etc and i think that like culturally we are obsessed with the rock star which is which is interesting you know i think that there's a, a, a pro and a con to that but i was talking with a student last night even who was mentioning they see all these stories of entrepreneurs and it's all sunshine and rainbows. It's all great and incredible. And just kind of like, no, like the, if anyone tells you it's selling you a bill of goods that you can launch your own business and everything's great. And it's like objectively way better than not doing it. It's like, I would stop listening to that person and question why they're saying that because like, while it can be really great for some people, it's, it's I, anyone that says it's not difficult. I would really hesitate to believe them. <laughs> Yeah, put them in a mental institution. <laughs> yeah, or, or they just like had a bunch of money, you know, like I, I'm not sure how you would get into that situation and think that. Yeah, I think anything worth doing for the most part in this life is difficult, um, but it's more about it's worth the challenge and the effort in the end. But I would agree. I think we make the assumption that people are amazing and that they're super talented at these things. And we don't really ask the questions or listen to our intuition to pull back that curtain to see who they really are. And that's why I feel like we're in this era and this age of authenticity that's heightened more than ever. And people being real and not having these fake brands, but really walking the talk of what they're professionally offering as a service, as well as what they're doing in their business. And even if you're not a business owner, how you're showing up in leadership needs to be aligned and authentic. So really great message. So I wanted to ask you, is there a story of inspiration that you're known for? Gosh, I'm sure there is. I, I would say kind of like the the nature of, of what I do between doing having a day job at a university, working with students, and then also having the gallery. I think a lot of people know me for a lot of different things. And I a lot of it's kind of like, oh, Kenneth will do that. So it's, it might be hard to like find one big one, but I would say like, if you were to identify my signature thing that people like telling other people is like, you just give it to Kenneth and, and get it done. And like, it, it'll be fine and, and he'll enjoy it and he can take care of whatever, whatever needs to happen. That's maybe like what people would share. Yeah, I know. I love that. And sometimes simple inspiring stories are really important, especially for those that are feeling imposter syndrome when we're connecting to our customers or employees as a leader or, you know, customers as a business owner, it's really important to be relatable, not just to be like, wow, I did this amazing thing, but also to be relatable. And so I think that's, that's a perfect story of what you're known for and what your superhero power is. So, yeah, and I think like the, the thing that's really inspirational, um, that I see and then my wife remarks also with the gallery is just like someone coming in and seeing, you know, someone in a, a marginalized community and seeing themselves in a piece of art or a show or something like that, or just even being like, wow, this was a really great show. This really made my day to come see that. I didn't know this was here. And like that, all those little things are what make it worthwhile. It's really not like there's not one big thing that happens and it's like, oh, it was all worthwhile. It's those little uh, moments that kind of accumulate on you like snowflakes. Mm, I like that. That's beautiful. The little moments of that accumulate like snowflakes and every snowflake is so unique too, because there's no snowflake that's alike. So these little moments, it's so important that we stop 
and take stock of that. And people are not good at acknowledging. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling, you know, the imposter syndrome or like you're not doing enough, maybe take pause and take stock of some of those small moments that you're really proud of and that you're excited about. Write those down so that when you have a bad day, you can look back at those snowflakes. Love that. Yeah, I had a, I had a professor in college that was like, you celebrate the small victories. She was like, there's for a lot of your life, that's all you're going to have. And like, especially as we look into the future, uh, you know, things things are, are probably going to be rough for a lot of people. Uh, the small victories are, are what you're going to have to look at for sure. Love that small victories. So you identified as a heart-centered leader. So I wanted to start by asking you, what does heart-centered leadership mean to you? Yeah, I mean, this this kind of gets at the core of something that people ask and talk to me about a lot, which is what's like, how am I identifying competition, for example? And I always like to tell people your your competition, so to speak, of, of who you're working with or where your community may find or whatever the case may be, it doesn't have to be competition, is largely going to come down to who around you is mission-focused and who is profit-focused. And so you have a, a business like 311 Gallery, for example, which is mission-focused. You know, running an art gallery in Raleigh is not the most lucrative business. If I wanted to just make a bunch of money, I'd try to buy real estate or something. I don't know. I'd, I'd do something. I'd, I'd just open up another 401k. Um, we do it because it's something that we see that the area needs and we really want to do. And I think that if you are in that kind of field where you are heart-centered and you're saying, we want to provide equity to these groups of people. We want to offer voices to these people. We want to make it more affordable to engage in this kind of thing. Whatever the case may be, however you're meeting people halfway, I think you'll find that you surround yourself in a community of people that are like that, as opposed to, oh, I'm looking at all of these other people in the city or worldwide or whatever that are my competition because their dollar amount is X and their cost is X and ours profit is X and our cost is X. And I think that that's really important to, to identify that in yourself. And when you meet people and talk to people of being like, this is someone I want in my community or not. I don't even know if I answered your question. I don't even remember what your question was, but <laughs> you, you did, you did. So for you, heart-centered leadership is about having a mission, walking the talk of what that mission is. And it's not about the dollars. It's really about building a community around the values that support that mission. So that was, that was perfect. All right. So at what age did you start believing in yourself and kind of what prompted this mission within you? Ooh. Gosh, it probably wasn't more than a few years ago. Uh, no, I, I don't know. Probably earlier than that. I just turned 36, seven months ago. Probably not super long ago, to be honest. Probably I would say, I think once I was out of college and was working a bit, and I think when I graduated college, I had the same problem most college students have where they're like, I am so smart. I know everything. I had a great, I am, you know, I am white. I'm a cisgendered man. I'll, I'll be, I'll get some high paying job. Uh, and just like thinking that I was so great and I was like, oh, I actually don't know anything. I'm actually just a huge moron, um, which is a, a feeling that I, I, I'll maybe never escape. Um, but I think once I started to meet people and do things and was showing as an artist and was kind of putting myself out there and, you know, my, my reputation is really important to me and just kind of being kind and being humble and being patient and meeting people halfway. And once I got some more experience and felt confident and felt like I can go to a meetup or reception, whatever, and not like throw up in the bathroom and run away screaming, 
Like once I had that feeling of like, oh, I, I can actually do this. I'm, I'm a big boy. I got this. That's when I really started believing in myself. And I love the honesty because I never would have guessed that that would be a challenge for you from my experience knowing you today, <laughs> which we've not known each other for more than maybe two or three months. But Kenneth is comes across as very confident, very um, you know, I would never have guessed that that was a challenge for you. So good job. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, it's, and it's something that I, I'm very sympathetic to people for that. Like I said, I work with a lot of students. Um, and I think I always assume people are coming from that background because that's where I came from. So it's always nice to see students that are like, Oh, I got this, I'm, you know, whatever. And so it's, it's, it is something that people say to me that maybe knew me five, six, seven years ago would be like, Whoa, this is totally different. And then people that know me now are like, whoa, that, that doesn't resonate at all. So I think that that's a great indicator of personal growth. Yeah. We're, we're constantly evolving. And if we're not, we are constantly getting closer to digging our own grave. That's how I look at life. We want to be <laughs> growing a little bit and transforming seasonally. So how do you show belief in others as a leader? So for example, students or people that are part of your uh, community for the mission you have with the 311 gallery. Yeah. Showing confidence in people. I mean, I think when someone has, is like, Hey, I have this idea or I'm going to do this. or like, I'm going to mail you this piece of art and it's got this weird thing to hang it. It's like, okay, it's fine. We'll just, we'll get there. And I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to tell you it has to be in this rule, this regulation, whatever. Like there's just having some wiggle room and understanding that guidelines and things of that nature are, are there to keep people from being really horrible, bad actors in those situations but understanding that people do need a little bit of wiggle room in their life and just saying, okay, it's fine. We'll, we'll handle that. I think that that's kind of how I help be confident in others that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. I love that. So flexibility, understanding and sympathy when working with others, especially in the art gallery. And I imagine also when you're working with students. Yeah. And I think also just like taking people at their word. I mean, people are very credulous by nature which I think is a feature. I don't think that's like a bug in humanity, which obviously like the worst actors abuse that. But I actually think that we are supposed to be credulous. I think when someone says, I had a really bad day, I can't turn this in on time or whatever. I think it's actually best for us to say, oh, you, you're asking for help. You need help. You're not saying it because you're lying. I actually think it's, it's really good for us to be credulous like that. Obviously, there's a, a push and a pull there. Just kind of taking people at their word is fine. It's okay. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if we did that more? I bet there'd be less conflict in the world. (laughs) I was going to see if you could share a story that shows how you lead from the heart. Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. A story where I lead from the heart. I can think of a couple that maybe they're, maybe I'm doubting myself again. Maybe I'm thinking they're not as impressive as maybe that they are. A few years ago, before I started my current job, like I said, I, I worked at a place called Emerge, which was an art startup. And we were kind of like loosey-goosey and we handled everything differently. And I handled the art department there and did monthly exhibits and things of that nature. And a guy approached me one day and he said, I had this idea for a nonprofit that's uh, handling like difficult issues through art. Um, I think Empathy Through Art was the name of the company. I'm not sure if it still exists or not. But he wanted to do a show all about Alzheimer's and dementia and other difficulty other difficulties that all people face when they age. Uh, we ended up putting a call out and did a show and had people come and do spoken word and talk about 
their experiences with loved ones who who would face these challenges. Um, and there were people even that had like very like strange takes that were like, maybe dementia is like just what we're supposed to do when we get old. You know, like maybe that's like what's just supposed to happen. Maybe we're supposed to just like lose our mind and then fade away. And it was kind of like, you know, it wouldn't people weren't like offended, but it was just like, well, I'm not sure if you're supposed to say that, you know. <laughs> uh, and so it was just like this really cool, heartfelt evening of like part reception, part bar, part people talking, and just kind of like it was one of the most like raw things that I've seen of a group of like 60 people. And I, I really think that that was an incredible experience. Yeah, I think that's really important to provide a safe space where people can can share those thoughts and and really speak things that maybe aren't politically correct or normally accepted, but it's an important conversation to have. And I feel like we're not doing enough of that. So that's a great story of how to lead from the heart. Well, that brings us to our lightning round questions. Are you ready, Kenneth? I'm ready. All right. What is your favorite book? My favorite book is Myra Breckenridge, which uh, again, maybe might be an offensive choice, but I can't spoil why, but that's a really great book. I'm also reading the Three Body Problem series, which is a sci-fi trilogy. I'm getting back into reading now, which is a challenge. So I, I, I would recommend those two. Beautiful. What networking or community group do you love the most? Ooh, I would say, I think Raleigh Founded is pretty great, which is a local uh, community. I, I think they have a really great group of entrepreneurs and people and business people that are pretty down to earth. I'm biased toward like NC State because I work there. I think the professors and everyone are, are really great there as well. Go Wolfpack. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could share one message with the world, what would that be? Ooh, I would say, oh God, I know it's a lightning round. I got to say something. Uh, it's fine. I would ask yourself, does it matter? You know, for the thing that you're mad about on Twitter, does it matter? Mm, I like that. It doesn't matter and it's fine. Beautiful. Right. And my last question, what is the legacy you wish to leave behind? I hope that I improve people's lives and then I connect them. And then I, I, I hope that people look back and say, well, I'm glad I met Kenneth. Kenneth was a really great guy and he helped people. And it was, it was nice to, to have him. Wow. What a cool guy. <laughs> I was like, what, what more could you ask for? Well, to add a couple snowflakes to your list of small successes, which I think are actually bigger than you're giving yourself credit for, Kenneth has already done that. I'm super grateful I met Kenneth. I now have the opportunity to work with some amazing entrepreneurs at NC State. Really excited to do that. And he's connected to me to another startup that I'm working with and helping them with a workshop as well as I've met some pretty amazing people through Raleigh Founded. So you are definitely living the legacy and mission that you're trying to build. Oh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. So if you love the show and you love what Kenneth is about, in the show notes, you'll see how to follow 311 Gallery as well as Kenneth. Their Instagram handle is at 311 Gallery. Website is www.311artgallery.com. Again, those will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Kenneth. Thanks for having me. So how can Inspiration Contagion help you today? There are three ways. Number one, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the podcast listener of your choice so that you get newly released weekly interviews with transformational leaders from all around the world. 
They're going to provide practical, actionable tips for you that you can take and implement today. Number two, if you have a burning problem or you're having some challenges, but you're not really sure where to start, go ahead and visit hollyjeanjackson.com forward slash events and find an event online that suits your needs so you can begin exploring and learning more today. Number three, if you have a specific issue or challenge you're facing today, a burning issue that you need to resolve right now. Perhaps you're trying to build your guilt-free business. Perhaps you're trying to build an online product or you're facing some challenges with technology in your business. You're trying to scale to that next level. Regardless of what the challenge is, go to hollyjeanjackson.com and then visit the services section and schedule an appointment. I love to offer my listeners a complimentary coaching call so we can figure out and get to the Thank you for joining the show today. I hope you were inspired. More importantly, I hope you take action. What is one thing you can do in this moment that will inspire someone? Without action, nothing changes. Be the change you wish to see in the world. If this show truly inspired you, we ask that you share it through your network. Help us spread the light and inspiration in the world. I look forward to seeing you here next week.